0: Hey, Connect family, PD here, welcome to Church Online. Wherever you are, uh, far away, somewhere in our country, really near, in your home, I wanna welcome you to our service today. Hey, listen, um, before I get into our series today, I have a few brief announcements. Um, One, I wanna really, really encourage you to make plans to be with us in person for our Christmas experiences. And so they're right around the corner, December 23rd and December 24th. That's an Eve-Eve service and a Christmas Eve service. You don't want to miss the three-time Grammy-nominated American Award-winning and Dove Award-winning singer Jana Long and her husband, Greg Long, both extremely accomplished musicians, sang for Avalon. Some of you are familiar with the Christian... Artists Avalon, phenomenal, phenomenal. They're going to be with us in person. Jan is a long standing friend from college way back in the day for Stacy and I. And we're so, so grateful to be able to host them in person in our Framingham location and in our Ashland location. So we'll have four services, two in uh, Framingham on the 23rd at 4 and 6 p.m., and two in In Ashland at 4 and 6 p.m. Please make plans to be with us and register online. You register online so we can prepare and be ready to host you the best way possible. Now I'm super excited also to announce uh, as it stands today, as you're hearing this today, some of you know this is this message right here is pre-recorded today, our legacy update. Are you ready for this? Okay, Uh, somewhere around $225,000 has come in Already for our Legacy offering. That is fantastic. Year to date, giving for Legacy, over 200 and a quarter. Unbelievable. I can't put into words as your pastor and those that contributed to that, how proud I am of Connect Church. As a reminder, all of that, 100%, no admin fees, no crazy vacations for the pastor, all of that will go into our five vision lanes. And so you can find out more about that if you're interested in still participating. We we encourage that. We've encouraged you to talk to God. Just do whatever He says. And we'll be taking Legacy Offering uh, even going forward. And so I encourage you to participate because you will be blessed and you'll get a return on your investment. Now listen, I'm fighting a little cold today, so bear with me. I'm sorry I sound a little nasally, but I feel good. I'm actually really excited to introduce our new series today entitled Christmas is forgiving christmas is forgiving now christmas can you even believe that that's just like right around the how many got your shopping done already show of hands in the chat you've already got your shopping done i hate you oh no i'm just kidding i don't hate anybody but uh for me um i don't like to shop okay i like to hunt i want to go in kill it bag it let's go hang it on the wall you know it in my closet really um which is what most of us do with our gifts right Um, but for those of you who are still shopping Amazon, baby, Amazon, but listen, when you think about Christmas, some people have kind of like two takes on Christmas. You know, for some people, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And you love the Christmas music and you started playing it. Some of you out there, before Thanksgiving, you started playing the Christmas music. Uh, the guy that helps me with the film for this, Dan, he, he, he's been listening to Christmas music for a while now. I love Christmas music. I love coming home. My wife has decorated our whole uh, little townhouse with, you know, Christmas uh, decor. Everywhere it's so warm, and, and we've got the blankets that match and the tree and, and the candles and you know the TVs playing Christmas music and I love it, I love it. But there's a lot of people that don't have fond memories or you know positive feelings about Christmas. For some, and I've actually heard people say, I just tolerate the holidays. You know, um, I talked to one even on Sunday said, I hope to survive Christmas. <sighs> wow, that's crazy. In other words, there's some pain there. Now, why is that? Why would there be some pain there? Well, sometimes there's pain, you know, for for different reasons. Like you introduce a divorce into your family, which has been pretty common as a result or during this epidemic that we've been a part of, this pandemic, I should say. And you introduce that and just the logistical introduction of a divorce brings relational pain. And you've got to go to different places now. You've got to see certain people now, and maybe this is something that's happened a while ago, and so you've already, you just hate this time of year, because no matter what, you can't make everybody happy, and somebody's looking at you and saying, you know, as you leave, they're like, you know, they never spend enough time with us, you know, and you you just can't make everybody happy, And, and they're thinking you don't, you don't think they're important anymore. And, and, and it can bring a lot of bitterness and it can bring a lot of resentment and, and, and corresponding hurt comes with that. If you introduce into the holidays, which is something that happens, someone dies. There's an untimely death. There's an unfortunate loss. And, and, and the family uh, or someone in the family uh, maybe is on the verge of that, is, is really, really ill. That can make the holidays extremely difficult because you're facing the possibility of one less person. Uh, Maybe you're here and you know somebody or you are somebody who just lost your job right before Christmas and and, and Christmas, which is supposed to be a time fat with pleasure and possession suddenly because of maybe unfair circumstances, you're not going to be able to enjoy Christmas the way you did and your pride has been hit between the eyes and even your family, maybe if you're the husband who's lost his job is looking at you and they're resenting you in some way and you can feel that and, and that introduces a lot of pain in the holidays and and maybe there's somebody out there where um, somebody has spoken some really harsh words to you in this last few months or even in this year and and now you're going to have to come face to face with that person and who has turned their back on you, who has hurt you, maybe even betrayed you and you won't say anything rude or provoking in the encounter when you see them. No, we'll just go home and talk about them all the way Uh, home in our car, right? And so, and then, oh, oh, I forgot to mention this Old Testament principle. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this Old Testament principle. It's called the psycho factor. Have you heard the psycho factor? No, you haven't heard that? Well, the psycho factor is that, and, and is that in a nutshell, Satan plants a psycho in every family right? Now you're starting to catch on what I'm talking about. There's this hard to deal with kind of lunatic kind of person. And it's just a spiritual principle. I don't know what it is. Every family has one. There's that one person that says the wrong thing, you know, at the wrong time. And they, 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 they just can't seem to just sit down on their blessed assurance. And every family, every family has one. If I asked you and I could see your hands, I said, by a show of hands, you know, how many have a psycho in your family? You'd all be raising your hand. Right. And but if you wouldn't, you might, right? you might be the psycho in the family. OK, you you might be that one. OK, so you just thought your family was normal and little did you know they were talking about you. OK, anyway, we're going to talk today um, using an Old Testament story of some of, of somebody who experienced some brutal, I mean, brutal family pain. And um, I'm not sure if it was during the holidays, but it's something that we all can relate to. And the character that we're going to study today, and we've been doing character studies all year long, but the study today is the is study around Joseph. Now, Joseph was an incredible young man. He, had, uh, he was a great... Uh, a, a godly man. He had great potential at really, really early. He had these incredible visions and dreams and, of course, uh, from God about his future. And then he couldn't help it but tell his brothers uh, everything that God had shared and showed him. And his brothers looked at him and they hated him for it. They hated him for it. They didn't like his attitude. They didn't like what he was saying. And, and, and the, he thought he, you know, I don't know. They read it different. They thought he, he was saying, I'm all that in a bag of chips. And they're like, no, you're not. And they hated him. The Bible really records that. And they decided initially to rough him up. They were even talking about killing him. And if it wasn't for the, one of the brothers who had, I guess, a little bit of mercy, said, no, we can't kill him, but we can sell him. Not much better. And so they sold him, their only brother, their youngest brother, uh, into their flesh and blood, into slavery. And and then they went back and told their dad, they, they faked his death. An animal killed him, and they put this whole drama and this whole skit together to cover up that they sold their brother into slavery. And so in spite of all that, everybody, in spite of those unfortunate circumstances, in spite of that rejection, in spite of that brutal, brutal treatment, Joseph, the Bible says, um, he was righteous and he was honest before God. And wherever he was, throughout a variety of different experiences, prison, palaces, you know, uh, pits, uh, you know, uh, Potiphar's house, um, no matter what, he would always rise to the top because um, he, he found favor in, in the eyes of God. and. Every time, though, he was betrayed, he'd, he'd have this setback. And one time he was set back because uh, he was falsely accused by, some of you know, the ruler Potiphar. He was, and he was put back into prison, rejected again. And we see in this man's life, one who feared God, one who didn't do really anything significantly wrong, seemingly incredibly unfair treatment. And these downward spirals, sometimes where he'd be pulled from the top down for years in years at a time. And, and in this initial instance, caused by his initially and originally by his own family. That, that's painful. And, and, and even though, I'll just say this, even though outwardly spiraling, I want to submit to you that on the outside, God was still doing something. There was still a powerful work afoot that the naked eye couldn't see. God was unknowingly um, posturing and positioning Joseph in the right places, at the right time, with the right people, with the goal at some point, almost surprisingly, of elevating him, ultimately to be second in charge of the most powerful nation at the time in the world, the nation of Egypt. Imagine Imagine that. And so kind of like the summary of this whole thing is, like Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good to them that are called, to to them that love God and are called according to His purposes. All things work together for good. It's like this divine formula. I like to say it like this. If what you're experiencing, if you love God and you're called according to His purposes, and what your experiences are not good and don't seem like God's involved, know this, Just if it's not good yet, it's because God is not done yet. Come on, somebody. Know this. If you love God and are called according to His purposes, if it's not good yet, it's because God is not done yet, but He's about to do something. And so this whole story, which I encourage you in your devotional life between Genesis 39 and Genesis 50 unfolds, but you'll see from beginning to end this incredible turn of events where one day and this is the emphasis for today because we're talking about Christmas is forgiving. Joseph comes face to face with those who have betrayed him and left him for dead. Imagine a moment where those people who sold you into slavery, completely abandoned you, turn their back on you, never to see you again. And you come face to face with them. And you are next to the Pharaoh, the most powerful person on the earth. What would you do? How would you handle that? What would you feel? This story is a snapshot of the pain, uh, to the best of our ability, that we can kind of grasp from the scripture that this guy, Joseph, went through and that he faced. And maybe some of you can relate, to this type of pain. Joseph's brothers um, come to him. They leave their land to go to Egypt because there's a famine and they need help. And it's been told that there is this person who has kind of solved the problem and forecasted and foreknew even that this would happen. And it says in Genesis 45 verses one and following, then Joseph, he sees his, he sees his brothers. And he decides in these moments to reveal himself. And he becomes extremely emotional. And it says he could not control himself. He cried, make everyone leave me. And and no one stayed. And Joseph, the Bible says, made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so loud the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph says to his brothers, it's me, I'm Joseph. Hello, I'm the one that you sold into slavery. Is my father still alive? And they're completely dismayed. They're completely uh, in the presence of their brother after all of these years. And, and 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 we see in this moment a man who let it all out, who, you know, I have this phrase in counseling that I pass on, you know, you can't work it out if you can't talk it out. And he, he just, he gets it all out. He gets all this emotion. He just, he lets all those feelings from all those years just kind of burst outside of them. And here we see, maybe years of questions, years of pain, years of rejection, years of hurt, resentment, regret, all that kind of stuff, it's coming out of the well. It's coming out of the well. It's an incredibly powerful moment. And it pours out of his body. And let's be honest, <laughs> we all have that potential or that need to do something like that somewhere, perhaps because of someone. It's amazing how true the statement is that, that those who love us most can also hurt us the most. I heard one quote say, though, that the things that hurt us most often instruct us most as well. Many of us who are here listening to this and will listen to this, if we were to face some of our family issues, I'm just thinking about some of the sons out there that might need to or have thought about, you know, having an encounter or confrontation with a father who hurt them or a mother who hurt them, or a mother to a son who turned away. I think like Joseph, if that was to happen, and that set up divine appointment was made possible, you might weep aloud just like he did, so loud that maybe you couldn't control it. Is that altogether bad? Maybe that's necessary for some. I believe there are situations, though not exact, that exist that are like this story, but it's your story right? That we really, that's your story that really matters. It's your, it's personal. That's what it really, that's why we read the Bible. That's what it's, it's not supposed to be a window. It's supposed to be a mirror. It helps us see things in ourselves. And so the the sad fact that, the sad fact is that if we don't do that, we don't let that mirror kind of reflect what's going on inside of us, then there's going to be this dangerous cycle and pattern of hurt. Problems are not a problem. Patterns are a problem. Seasons are not a problem. Cycles. a problem. And so if you leave these things unattended, they can in fact destroy you. Devin was talking about this on Friday night about just like the holes and the hazards and the hurts of our life. It's very, very similar this message. And so if we don't deal with it, we'll pass it on. We'll pass it on. Because hurt people, my daddy taught me this years ago, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And if we deal with the pain and the unforgiveness, then the cycle can be broken. But if we don't, then it will continue in us, through us, and toward others. So people that are listening, friends, spiritual family, we can't let the cycle of pain continue any longer. Can I have an amen in the chat out there? Let's not let it continue to go forward in our life. You know, I remember years ago when my daughters were young, um, I'm, I'm, I'm near where my, my first home was, and uh, Madison and uh, Morgan, my two youngest, they were wrestling. And uh, I was watching them and kind of enjoying it actually. Uh, Morgan was really strong, even though she was younger. And she, you know, I mean, she was strong. And but Madison, man, Madison just had this really sweet maneuver. Kind of just wrapped her, you know, with her with her legs. She had her like it was like they were in guard, you know, if, if you guys know anything about wrestling. And um, and and then Morgan kind of flips her around, gets her like in a headlock, and then Madison pushes her off the bed. But they're connected and so they both fall off the bed and they're both hurt and they're both yelling and mad and you know because you know neither one of them wanted to go down alone so they took each other down and now they're really angry and now they start pointing the finger at each other and verbal assaults begin. It's your fault if you hadn't done this that wouldn't have happened and you know and blah 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 they're blaming each other. And then all of a sudden Morgan just like starts laughing like you know what I mean let's try it again. Then all of a sudden Morgan starts laughing and she's like for some reason, like a flips a switch, you know, let's do it again. Let's do it again, and they did. And just kind of as a transition, I realized something in that moment. That's what we do. That's what we do. We. This is exactly the way some families are. A little jab, a little poke, a little stab, a little pain, a little holiday conflict, and and, and then and then certain environments become a breeding ground for this. And then you know what you do? We do it again. We repeat the cycle. We continue it. So the question is, like, as we move forward, what should we do when there's hurt or when we've been hurt or when we've been betrayed? I want to give you three biblical choices that we're going to make as Christ followers. Can I have amen and amen? And and I'm not talking about following our feelings, you know, because if we're going to wait until we feel like it, we're going to be waiting until Jesus returns and even beyond. No, instead, feelings... I mean, let's face it, feelings, sometimes I feel like knocking somebody out when I'm upset. So it can't be based on feelings. Now question, who is the forgiveness for as we, as we begin to move forward? Who is released when we forgive? You know what? You are. I am. I want you to see some of the incentives in these kingdom principles as we go forward. Whatever God asks you to do as difficult as it might be, counterintuitive as it might seem, it's always, always, always in your best interest. So first choice when you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed, uh, the first choice is choose to pray. Choose to pray. Seems pretty simple, right? It's simple to understand. But if you want to heal from hurt and from pain, if you want to break the patterns, we're going to pray for those people who've hurt us. Now, the greatest example unquestionably of all time is Jesus. If you think about his life, right? He comes into the world at his birth, right out of the gate. People are seeking him to kill him. Okay. Talk about rejection. He couldn't even, there wasn't even a place to put his head as he was coming into this world at Christmas time. He, he, you know, um, he took 12 men revealed to him by his father, 12 buddies along on this kind of spiritual journey. One betrays him with a kiss you know, to, to, to have him crucified. Um, only 12, of the 12 that he discipled in a three-year internship, really only one remains faithful to him. And of course, you got Pontius Pilate who wanted to have nothing to do with Jesus, turns the other cheek, <clears throat> kind of a gutless man, has Jesus condemned to be crucified as an innocent man. Uh, the crowd, you know, they'd rather trade in uh, Jesus for a murderer. And, and, and so, you know, from the very beginning uh, Jesus has, has suffered uh, rejection and, and, and hurt and pain. And then he's hanging on the cross for all humanity. And look at his response. In, in Luke chapter 23, 34, in your notes, it says, Father, forgive them. What? Father, forgive them. This is the cool part. I, I don't have time maybe to unpack this. Maybe you don't even have all the insight for it yet. But for they don't know what they're doing. In other words, he didn't hold them responsible because he doesn't believe they could be responsible for something like that. In other words, (coughs) broken humanity produces um, or breaks human hearts. Broken humanity breaks human hearts. If we are broken, we will break. If we are hurt, we will hurt, as I've said earlier. So when you've been hurt, you've got to pray. Now, what do you pray God, you know, uh, strike them dead? No. God, knock them out? Give them a bad case of hemorrhoids? God, I pray that they be, you know, you know flogged with the flies of a thousand camels? No, we don't pray those things. No, we got to pray God's best for them. We got to release them. We got to forgive them. Uh, I, I, you know, years ago, actually, the school was in this building that I'm in right now, and I, I was the principal of our school. Some of you who've been around long enough know that before I was a pastor, I was a, I was a headmaster of a, a fledgling Christian school. And I can remember, um, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because if you don't forgive, you, you'll suffer in some way. Again, God doesn't ask you to do things that, he does, that are not in your best interest. And so I had this teacher at one point in time that I was actually, I had to let go. I had to fire her. She um, She was toxic. She was toxic with parents. She was toxic with the teachers, even toxic with students. And in particular, she was toxic towards me as her authority. She would talk about me. She would talk to others about me. And, and literally, it was so bad, we literally had to get the authorities, The if you wouldn't listen to godly authority, we had to bring in the civil authorities to have her removed from the classroom one day. I'll never forget as long as I live. It was a sad day. And um, years passed. And one Christmas, after many years, I get a letter, a card, in the mail, Christmas time. That was a Christmas card. I open it up, and it's from this teacher. And in so many words, the teacher said, "Um, Pastor Derek, after many years, I've had the opportunity to reflect on my life and some of my actions and some of my decisions. And today I am suffering physically and I'm very infirmed. And she proceeded to tell some of her ailments they were significant they were life threatening and she said i couldn't help but think either because god revealed it to me or just my experience that it has something to do with the way that i had been towards you all those years ago and i wanted to say i'm sorry wow wow that was quite a card to get at christmas time and and quite a revelation too and you know what i was thinking why do we wait so long and have to hurt so bad that sometimes we don't do what we need to do? We don't, we don't release people, forgive people, and why don't we pray for people? You know, I heard it said, and I've said this many times, that sometimes we change when we receive enough, we're able to, when we learn enough, we want to. But most people change, unfortunately, when they hurt enough, they have to. May that not be said of us today. May we be people who are willing to follow God's prescription for getting over betrayal and hurt and pain. So what do you pray? Well, I think you pray for God to heal their hurt. I think you, if they're hurting, chances are they've been hurt before by someone else. Let God give you revelation about that. Pray for God to forgive them. Pray that they turn from their sins. Pray for God uh, to, to bless them. And listen, what happens when you pray for them, so you don't, you're thinking, well, that's not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything. Listen, maybe not. Maybe it won't affect them. But I can assure you, your prayers for them will affect you they will affect you. You cannot pray for someone else without God doing something in your heart. That's why we pray. Number two. Now, the second one is a little more difficult than the last one, right? Because the last one you can be all by yourself, all, you know, praying in your car. Nobody sees it but you and God. The next one, though, is a little bit more surgical. The next one is choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. A lot of people We'll choose to check out right here, but I'm encouraging you to stay with it. Why is this so important? The Bible spells this out really clearly. I don't even have to do it. It does it for us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Look with me. It says, for if, everybody say if. That is a two-letter word that is really powerful, okay? For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if... There's that powerful word again. You do not forgive men, their sins. Your father will not forgive your sins, my sins. This verse is brutal. Okay, this is brutal. Um, and again, this is where people are like, ah, no, I could never. I have heard people say this to me many, many times. I could never forgive him, or I could never forgive her for that. Okay, just, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. As believers, the Bible instructs us, actually, we must. It's a Christian obligation to forgive if we're ever going to need forgiveness. Forgiveness, another way to say it, is not an elective course. It's, It's a required course, and the exams are really tough. They're really, really tough. So if you're like me and you have a hard time forgiving because... (laughs) Why? Because people do it over and over again to you. It's not, if they did it once, I could forgive them. But pastor, they're doing it over and over and over again. Well, then you probably relate to Peter then, right? Peter in the Bible, you remember this story in Matthew chapter 18? It says, Peter comes to Jesus, I think with a little bit of spiritual pride. And he's like, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? He probably had a name, you know, in mind. When he sins against me, seven times, like, yo, seven, I'm, I'm offering seven. And, and Jesus is like, I tell you seven times? No, 77 times. See, I don't know about you, but like God's standard is, is it, it's actually impossible. And, and that's why we need the power of God. And that's why we need certain revelations from God to be able to carry out these choices. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant and, and, and those places, some of you like these places where they have like unlimited refills, unlimited refills, you know, I like to get an unlimited refill. And uh, can I kind of get a refill? And see, as Christians, forgiveness is the same way as Christians. It's supposed to be unlimited, unlimited. The power of that principle, the, the, excuse me, the um, submission to that principle keeps you connected to the power for it and the source for it which is God's forgiveness of you. The greater understanding and revelation you have about what God did for you, the greater capacity to offer that unlimited source to others when they hurt you. So what hurt today is still there in your life. What brings you kinda, uh, you you always go right back to those painful moments and it's like it's alive again in your life. You know, I wanna share one quickly with you um, that I've told before that I'm over. Okay. I'm over. I don't, I think I am. I mean, when I start talking, who knows what will happen, but I remember when I was in college, um, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but my wife and I were, my girlfriend and I, Stacy were, we're going to be married. And, uh, for lack of explanation, you can do the math. Things had to be accelerated because of some choices we made outside of God's perfect design relationally. Okay. And, um, and so, because we were leaders on campus, uh, pretty well known in the college that we went to, there was like this reaction from others that were like, aha, I didn't know, I thought they weren't so great. I thought, and so there was kind of this like spirit on some of the people in our sphere. And so, some of my friends, quote friends, took me out for kind of a bachelor night. It was going to be like one of the last nights out with the boys. Well, this thing kind of got a little out of hand, and some people that really are my friends were there, and some activities that really weren't the plan began to unfold, and it became like a bachelor hazing. And I don't want to take you all through it because it'll self, it'll it'll seem self-serving, and I don't want to, I don't need any pity for it, whatever. But they did a lot of really difficult things, little inappropriate things. When I was at Oral Roberts University, they had this thing called the Praying Hands. And I can remember at the end of this night where I had spent, you know, some really embarrassing moments. They had stripped me of my clothes, wrote all over my body uh, with permanent marker. I was freezing cold. It was like 30 degrees in the winter. Um, they they put me in a jail cell, and, you know, took pictures of me for fun. And they put me on top of a speaker at a, you know, at a, a like a gay bar. I remember that. and. and try to get all these people to come around me and take pictures of me and all these crazy. uh, They put me in the trunk of a car, drove all through town, the trunk of a car, you know, high speeds. And and when it was all over, they left me in the praying hands of Oral Roberts University. How ironic. I was just in the hands of God, in a sense, freezing cold, just crumbling there, as it were. And I couldn't even get down on my own because it was so high up there. I had to wait for somebody to see me to get me down. And I remember them getting me down, and I, and they took me back to the dorm. I was so cold and kind of duct taped. I was duct taped. I couldn't even walk. I had to be carried. And they broke me free, and and uh, they finally left me in my room. And I had to go take a shower. And I remember as I'm wash, washing the permanent marker of all these inappropriate things they wrote on my body. It was a horrible night. Um, just thinking, you know, these people. Like, why would they do? I thought they were my friends. I was so hurt. I was so rejected. I was so sad remember walking back to my room, and I could hear them. They had all come back that night, and they had videotaped all this, and they were in one of my friends' rooms watching the videotape, just laughing at it all at my expense. Skip ahead. Uh, only a few days later, I, was, I got married. And uh, my honeymoon night, I had pneumonia. I was sick in bed. Couldn't even be intimate with my wife because of these friends, my my, it wasn't my family. These, these were my friends. And I carried that unforgiveness well into my marriage towards many individuals that were there that night because I didn't know how to forgive. And some of you have carried things like that from your past into your present because you don't know how to forgive. And I'm trying to give you a prescription that will help you get over it. You have to pray for them. You have to choose to forgive them. I don't know what your story is. I don't know who's held you captive, but I had a choice and you, and, and that whole time. And you have a choice too. Who is it that you haven't forgiven? I want you to be specific. I want you to think about that right now. If it's your spouse right next to you, don't say anything. But how do you do it though, PD? Come on, really. How did you get over that? Again, I had to focus ultimately and we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks on how God had forgiven me. See, I wasn't awi- I was I was so preoccupied with their debt and their offenses and their mistakes, I couldn't get over my debt, my mistakes and my offenses against God. Look what Colossians 3:13 says. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive one translation says just as the Lord has forgiven you. How do you do it? just as the Lord's forgiven you. So you're going to have to get a revelation. The next thing is you're going to need a realization that resentment and unforgiveness don't work. They just don't work, okay? Look what it says in Job 21, 23. Here's what happens with those people. They become bitter and they become broken. Some people stay healthy, Job 21, 23, till the day they die. They die happy and at ease. By the way, not because they weren't rejected, hurt, or betrayed, they were. Everybody goes through that. Their body's well-nourished. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Wow. Wow. I used to watch the Three Stooges when I was a kid. My dad and I would watch them together and we'd just laugh. And it was Curly, the heavy guy, bald-headed. Um, You know, he would run into Mo and Mo's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's the matter? He goes, I'm real upset. I'm real upset. Well, what are you so upset about? It doesn't matter because if they try to hurt me, I'll blow them up. And he'd open up his jacket and there'd be dynamite on both sides. And Mo's like, oh, you're such an idiot. You know, you you won't just blow them up. You'll blow you up too. That's what unforgiveness does. When we carry that and we keep that with us. John Wesley said it like this because one man said to him, "Um, hey, uh, pastor, a man hurt me so much. I could never forgive him. And John Wesley said, then I hope you never sin again. Wow, 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 wow. So if you've experienced pain, I don't know what your past experiences, divorce, devastation from adultery, loss of a loved one, no, no matter what it is, you know how hard it is to forgive. But if you don't, it can, it can literally ruin you. It can literally ruin you. I know people that have, I believe they have arthritis. I believe people have cancer. If it's not of the mind, it could even be of the body. And I think it's connected. Oftentimes it is. And so forgiveness, and again, we'll learn more about this coming weeks, is, is more about not so much the, the offended. Um, uh, 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 it, it's, it's, forgiveness is more about the offended, excuse me, than the offender. Another way to say it is it's more about you. God wants, it's about releasing you from all of this. And so there are those who need, in the sound of my voice, to release this. For you to have the holidays God wants you to have, the life that God wants you to have, there's things you need to release this. And my friend, if you're a part of Connect, this is the path to your freedom. This is the path to your freedom. You're not just going to wake up one day and just be over it until you do something about it. You must choose of an act of your free will and volition to forgive them. Choose to pray. Choose to forgive. And number three, take it up a notch, God, why don't you choose to bless. Choose to bless. Yep. Yep. Bless those who've hurt us. This is the Bible's prescription for, free, for, for freedom from, you know, betrayal and hurt and pain. Look what it says in Romans 12, 19 through 21. It says, do not take revenge. Don't take revenge. By the way, it says in another place in the same chapter, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will avenge. I will repay. So don't worry about justice. God's got justice. He says, on the contrary. Then, as my dad used to say, then there again, on the other hand, If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not overcome evil by then turning around and doing evil. Overcome evil by returning good to them. Luke 6, 27, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. We pray, we forgive, and then we bless. Pastor, it's so easy for you to say that because you live in a bubble and you're a preacher and everything goes great for you. You got no problems. Don't worry about it congratulations you are crazy you know you're crazy if you think that you're stupid if you think that I live in the same broken sin-filled world that you do in fact I might have just as much maybe even more because of the interactions with people I don't know if you interact with as many people as so so don't don't let the enemy steal from you principles that could save your life by dismissing the message from the messenger does that make sense everybody out there and so it's so important uh, to to th- that you Choose to, that you choose to forgive, that you choose to pray, that you choose to bless. Now, isn't it interesting that sometimes you're like, oh, I have no problem forgiving that person. Yeah, but what about forgiving people who you love that are hurt and broken, right? I mean, it's easier to forgive those who've hurt me, to be honest with you. But if you hurt my wife, if you hurt my kids, you hurt my grandkids, you know what I mean? I'm going to hurt you and then I'm going to pray for forgiveness after. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just kidding, sort of. But I can really be tough on those, you know, who have hurt, you know, someone that I love. And so, but on the other side of the forgiveness, that's the thing that's so amazing about this prescription that God has for us. If you'll deal with it, if you'll talk it out, if you'll get it out, if you'll cry it out, if you'll release uh, these people, if you'll accept uh, the, the God's grace that he gave you so that you can give it to them. See, here's what happens. Look at what was on the other side of Joseph's forgiveness and Joseph's release. Let me say what it is in a nutshell, then we'll read it. Because Joseph, through all that he went through, saw it differently, God did something differently. He healed and he birthed, listen, a nation, a nation. The nation of Israel was actually birthed through a moment of forgiveness. In Genesis 45, 1 through 8, again, Joseph can't control himself. He reveals himself to everybody. And then in verse 4, the second half, it says, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Verse 5, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves by for selling me here, <laughs> sold me because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He was behind what you did. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. I know it's coming. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a, a, a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, as a result of what happened, it was not you who sent me here, but God, but God. He made my father uh, to be Pharaoh, Lord of this entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Genesis 45 verse 14 says, Then he throws his arms around his brothers, Benjamin, and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and he wept over them. Unbelievable moment. On the other side of forgiveness was reconciliation. On the other side of forgiveness was the restored relationship. On the other side of forgiveness for Joseph was the saving of lives and the birth of a nation, Genesis 15, 19, closing text says, "Joseph saying to them, don't be afraid, you guys. Am I not in the place of God? You intended to harm me. Here's Romans 8:28, Old Testament parallel. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke to them kindly. My friend, there is a miracle on the other side of forgiveness for you. I wanna pray for you right where you are. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, all over the country, all around, wherever you are, would you just close your eyes? Father, I pray for every person that's within the sound of my voice, that your word would not return void, that it would go deep into the heart of men and women, boys and girls that are listening to this message. Lord, I pray that during this holiday season, We don't necessarily have more problems. We do feel them more. And I pray that in the middle of these painful moments that come about and that surface at these times, that God, you would do a supernatural work, that you would reveal to them, Lord, your principles, and more importantly, these choices that are ever before them. God, we have free will to choose to release people, to forgive people so that we could be forgiven as well. God, give them the courage to do so and give them the spiritual muscle to do so because on the other side of forgiveness is a miracle waiting to happen. And now if you're here today and you've never received forgiveness from Christ for your sins, the things you've done to separate you from God, you know, people that are Christians, people that have eternal security in a nutshell, in one word are forgiven. How do you know you're a Christian? Because you received God's forgiveness. Now, the test of that is you give it away. But to first be able to give it away, you have to first receive it. If you've never received the grace that God gives by what He did for you, paying for your sins, past, present, and future, 2,000 years ago, you can today. You can know what it is to feel that eternal security, a clear conscience. God doesn't just pay for your sins, but he also, he gives you a new heart and he gives you a clear conscience. If that's what you want, I'd like you to pray with me right now by saying this. Just say it right out loud, right wherever you are. Just say, Jesus, today I receive your salvation made available to me because of what you did 2,000 years ago. I receive grace by faith for me. Now, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, I pray that the work of grace do a work in their life, transform them from the inside out. May they receive supernaturally the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for their sins. And as a result, Lord, they're a different person and they're able to release people who have hurt them, who have caused pain for them, who have betrayed them because Jesus gives them the power to do so. Now, bless them. I pray that you help them in their choices as they go forward. And it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, Connect family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. I hope that I'll see you at one of our experiences, either online or in person, very soon. God bless you. I love you.